Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Across the Cemetery. My name's Josh. And my name's Emma. I very nearly said Emma again. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's your week been? Um, my week's been quite good. Well, it was technically last week because this is the start of a new week. But I got a new job last week. Congratulations. I know. I'm good. Am I the breadwinner now? Or... No. Oh. Sorry, no. No. Are we on par? Um... You're getting there. <laughs> it's, there's fucking pay gaps between women and men. It's disgusting. It's about four pounds. <laughs> in a completely different job role, in a completely different industry. Different company and everything. How's your week been? Not as exciting as yours, by the sounds of it. Why? What about the match? The match on Sunday? Yeah, it's football every week. Yeah, but this it, was a good I don't one. know. It's almost referring to the historic 7-0 win over Man United at Anfield, then yes. Yeah, that, that was very good. That's what I was referring to. I thought you were going to mention that. Yeah. Well, no. It's no football podcast, is it? No, but I we do know, mention I'm quite it. rightly reminded. <laughs> quite often. Okay. So I believe you're going to talk to me about something spooky today. It's not really. Well, it is spooky. I've got a bit of ghost stories, but it's more about like the mistreating of people. So it's a human right podcast? It's not a human right podcast because across the cemetery doesn't mean just ghosts. Like we said last week, we're going to delve into two crime. Yeah. But this is about asylums this week. Oh, okay. So it is a bit ghosty, but then it's also about mental health as well. But not as much because... It's too much of a broad subject, and you know, I, I, I am very like passionate about mental health, so I wouldn't want to ever say anything that would be wrong. So I'd rather research it more, if you get me. Mm. But I've wrote about it. <laughs> so, right. So you don't want to speak about it in case you get anything wrong, but you're gonna speak about it anyway. No, I'm gonna speak about the history of mental health, but I'm not gonna like say like an opinion of anything okay so does this sort of touch on it can work houses kind of like that kind of thing yeah so okay. like um i don't mention warehouses as much as you work houses work houses as much as you but <laughs> because it was an episode on warehouses <laughs> yeah and this is an episode <laughs> on asylum but um as you touch on it like people to try and not go to warehouses, they go out to asylums, but then it turns oh. out to do a worse off in asylums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they sort of pleading insanity nowadays to a crime to think you're not going to get as bad of a punishment or something like that? Yeah. Okay. Instead of just guessing what you're going to speak about, do you want to speak about it? I guess so. Okay. So this week we are going to be discussing asylums. So I'm sure we're all familiar with what an asylum is in some sense. Google defines it as an institution for the care of people who are mentally ill. Asylums almost certainly are harbingers of deep emotional distress and mental torment. This type of place has borne witness to many illnesses, tragedies and death. It is no wonder that asylums are allegedly haunted, but also that they are met with such negative connotations. The treatment of mental health has gone through vast changes throughout the past 30 plus years, but when asylums were prevalent, they housed approximately 100,000 people and the majority of the institutions were built following the passing of the 1845 Lunacy Lunatic Act. 
I won't go into great detail of the Act, but one of the most important provisions was a change in the status of mentally ill people. So mentally ill people were considered patients. So the Act was the first British stature to treat the insane, I say that with inverted commas by the way, as people of unsound mind rather than just social outcasts. So they identified that there was an actual illness, they weren't just weird. Okay. Um, so, so society's attitude began to change towards those who were mentally ill and it was viewed as a disorder that required care and treatment. King George III suffered from a mental disorder so it has been said that this sparked a change in society's views and it was seen as something that should be treated or cured rather than shunned. So the state-run mental institutions which were supposed to provide care and treatment for people suffering from mental disorders, however the reality of this situation is not the case. So a lot of people were admitted for various afflictions such as, this is again in inverted commas, homosexuality and hysteria in women. So the fact that they were sent to asylums for such matters is disgusting. It also would not have helped their mental health. So patients often left with worse mental health issues than before they entered the institutions. So in the late 60s and the early 70s, the UK asylums began to shut down, but it wasn't until the 90s that all of the asylums closed. Once the asylums closed, this opened outpatient and community care facilities in their place. Although the new system wasn't perfect either, and it still arguably suffers greatly now due to funding and waiting lists. Tory government. And Tory government, yeah, Thatcher's government. Mm. Um, now there are hundreds of the so as. Sorry, I threw you off track. I know. <laughs> Hello. So, although it's not perfect now, and the new outpatient system isn't perfect, and the fact asylums were another thing isn't perfect, it's a lot better than asylums now than, than it was um, but the area buildings were neglected and derelict so they're empty of the living but for the dead that is another matter so do you know anything about asylums or have you seen any like program like a program with about an asylum or a horror film or anything like that um yeah, I think absolutely everyone has. I, I know quite a lot about one specific, but I won't talk about it because it's a, that's something I've been researching, so completely giving it away. Um, I think I might be speaking about yeah, it briefly. You, you probably it? will be. <laughs> Is but it I, a Liverpool one? Yeah, I think we will have touched on it in different ways. Mm. Um, I think they're terrifying anyway. I think hospitals are quite scary. Yeah, you're not. A, you're not. A, you're not like. Even if you go to the doctors with me or something, you're like, oh, you're not very comfortable in that situation, are you? No. Um. So I, I've watched American Horror Story. You haven't watched it. No. I, I think you would like it. But there's a there's a season on that that's called Asylum. Oh. And that that is like your stereotypical like the nun ends up getting possessed by the devil or something. Who runs it? Same old, same old. Yeah, uh, there's one flew over the cuckoo's nest as well. I haven't seen that either. He's oh. not cultured, guys. <laughs> no. 
I've got strong opinions on horror films, you know that, and horror things. One time for the Christmas, that's not that horror. We watch it. Is it early horror? Where it's, I actually pretend it's scary and it's just not. It's got um, Jack Nicholson in it, so it's quite old. Because he's young, in it. Oh. <laughs> that's a good barometer of time. <laughs> it's a young Jack Nicholson. Okay, so, <laughs> asylums. So, actually, when you... When you uh, uh, like not asked about asylums because I don't think you probably asked about them much. But do you have like <laughs> day to day? Yeah. <laughs> do you have like a kind of like does something pop into your head like? Um, I always used to say like the the film interpretation of I'm going to use the word lunatic, mm-hmm. but in terms of a film, we're saying like. You know, the, the, the old plot where it was be the escape from an asylum like, with a, cha- yeah. a chainsaw or the other weapon. And the Michael other, Myers. Uh, essentially, yeah. And they got him out every night, on, every year on Halloween. <laughs> yeah. He's done quite well for himself, really. Why is he seen him moving on Halloween? Also, how can he drive if he went to the mental asylum when he was like seven or younger or older? But... He might have had GCI or something. <laughs> Michael Myers doesn't have GTA. <laughs> and there's the snippet that's going in the, in the subtitle. I know, <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> um, what was your question? What, do you have any like con- like stereotypical connotations or anything like that in your mind when people mention asylums? Clinical corridors, padded rooms, yeah, straps on beds. That's a, well, that sounded very, it's a really dark twist. Straight jackets? No, straps on beds. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> out. Stop telling them what we do. <laughs> we don't, guys. It's not on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that either. Um, so, many of these asylums are look. Many of the asylums that we're going to talk about, and not talk about because I can't mention every asylum, but <laughs> they, were, they were locations where serious, intense evil happens, happenings occurred, and it, kept, and it was keeping the already suffering people alienated from society. Today, the sites stand as testament to the long-standing nature of truly negative energy that is a result of human suffering and wrongdoing. So, let's start with a place that is close to our home. And it is open for the public to visit. It is Newsham Park Hospital. So I say Newsham, but you say Newsham. Newsham. So I don't know the correct one, but we watched a video on it the other day, and he said Newsham, so it's probably that. But I'm gonna say it the way I say it. Plasi scouser. I'm not a plasi scouser. That means plastic, which means false. By the way, guys, if you didn't understand that that disgusting dialogue that Josh has just said. So, Newsham Park Hospital was converted from an orphanage when it was ha- when it when it was an orphanage <laughs> <laughs> where it used to house up to one thousand children at a time until the late eighteen hundreds. For a hundred years, it served the community as a hospital, mental institution, morgue, and nursing home. Newsham Park Hospital is in Tubrook, Liverpool. It is a Grade Two listed building. And this one-time hospital and Siemens orphanage now lies abandoned with a growing reputation as one of the most haunted former asylums in the country. 
Towards the end of the Second World War, the country's social care schemes impro- improved, resulting in Newsham losing many of its children and therefore its funding. By July 1949, the orphanage was closed, and in 1951, Newsham Park was sold to the Ministry of Health. The Newsham Park Hospital was opened in 1954 with its own dedicated psychiatric department, which brought in an influx of mental health patients. The hospital officially stopped taking new patients in 1988, and by 1992, all remaining patients and staff were relocated. By 1992, the hospital had closed, and in its place came the Rainhill Lunatic Asylum inmates. So after 1.6 million was spent on its renovation, over 90% of the hospital was full. But now it is privately owned by a property developer called Angle Farm Limited, and they plan to turn it into an events venue. Do you know the place that the orphanage, the Seafarers Orphanage, is still actually going? Seafarers Orchard? Orchard? Seafarers Orphanage is actually going. What do you mean? The institute, when it, it was that that building was built, yeah, for the seafarers orphanage. Because at the time in the eighteen hundreds when it was built, a lot of because we're a port city, yeah, a lot of people were going to sea and passing away in the line of work, yeah, leaving a lot of orphans. So they built it for that purpose. It was a, a bunch of businessmen grouped together, got the funding for it, built it, and created that organisation. And the organisation is still going today. Obviously, oh. just not in that building. Oh, because I, I kind of got like an idea that you were going to do it as an orphanage, so I did see that, but I didn't want to include it. <laughs> well, it, I'm not doing it so much as an orphanage. I'm just doing it as the, the building in general. Oh, okay. Well, I I didn't mention that. I didn't know that it was still going today. I knew about it, mm. and I knew it was founded because we are a port town. The, the website is absolutely atrocious. Is it? Yeah, it's terrible. Oh, it's it, been... it hasn't even got like a little, you know, like a lock that you see in the, in the website bar. Oh it god! It hasn't even got a little lock around. It's been going since eighteen forty-two. Oh, get with the times. <laughs> so this hospital is now abandoned, like I said. Mm. Um. But reports go back to when a female nurse complained of strange sightings when she was working with patients at the hospital. So after she reported these strange sightings, she was found dead on one of the wards. Oh. I don't know what happened to her. I think the ghost killed her dog. Well, maybe she killed herself. Because she seen the ghost. Maybe. It was that atrocious. She did, she did say it was strange, like... Um. But patients at the hospital also constantly mentioned children, and they spoke with people who weren't there. But that could have been because they aren't well. Yeah, I get that. And See, that, maybe that's, that's an affliction, isn't it? Yeah. And maybe that's an affliction that you'll find in all as- asylums in inverted yeah. commas, unless you're getting it from people who aren't patients. Yeah, or people who don't have that certain illness where you ex- like, see people or... Not see people, but you know what I mean, like schizophrenia or something. Yeah, but not even that. Like, I'm sure there's a range of illnesses that make you start hallucinating in different ways. Yeah, or the medication that they're taking. Yeah, exactly. So recent visitors have reported sightings of ghosts and hearing disembodied voices at the building. Broken beds, anti-suicide grills and wheelchairs are all sat in, still sat in decaying rooms and corridors. 
So I looked on the Liverpool Echo and a former worker said he still has nightmares and and is traumatised by the pure evil in this building. He said, I remember going down to the basement one night to get a blanket to keep myself warm and as I walked in I saw a man in a white coat with no head. He walked past and went straight through the wall. I flew out of the room. It was terrifying. How do you know that he's evil? He didn't say he was evil. He was terrified. No, the man in the echo said that he was terrified of the evil in the building. And he said he saw a man in a white coat with no head. How do you know that man was evil? Well, why doesn't he have a head? Might have been a terrible accident. He could have been a doctor. Yeah, but what? And you'd like to think doctors are nice. But they're not. Like, I'm sure you'd get the vibe with the room. Like, mm. you'd get, like, this coldness, I think. I'm just being cynical. Yeah, I don't think that you're nice. I think one of the pa- I don't know this, but I think one of the patients cut off his head and that's how he died. Wow. That's what I'm speculating. That's a very big did. speculation. If, what? If he was nasty to the patients, I hope they got the room back. What if he was nice? Then tough luck, isn't it? Oh. And then, this is the same worker. He said, another time I was at reception and there used to be a stone staircase opposite reception. I looked up and saw a woman in a Victorian dress. She was there for a second and then she disappeared. So he later found out that the, that I think he looked at pictures and mm. it was the old matron from when it used to be an orphanage. Oh, yes. But yeah, you can now go and book to investigate this place yourself. If you go to haunting hauntedhappenings.co.uk Sounds like I'm advertising them, I'm not. I just want to do it. Absolutely not to do it. We would like to go to it though, so, so that'd be nice. You can book an event on and it takes like I think it's like nine to like three o'clock in the morning. Mm. So it's like the witching it's hour. It's overnight, yeah. Um, the event includes ghost hunting equipment, and you also take part in experiments such as table tipping and Ouija no, boards. No, you do not. But then you have some free time off to go and investigate alone. Yeah, just fuck that. I would do that. Fucking hell. And you get tea and coffee as well. <laughs> no, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> it's sixty nine pounds. <laughs> Person. Of course it is. <laughs> so let's move on to another asylum. This is Bethlehem Royal Hospital. I say hospital weird as well. Hospital. How do you say it? Hospital. Hospital. Um, <laughs> you said it the exact same. Hospital. So the Bethlehem Royal Hospital was the first dedicated psychiatric institution in the UK. It was founded by. I'm going to butcher this. Geoffrodo de Prefetti. He had been elected Bishop of Bethlehem and he had re- and it was originally placed just outside the London City Wall on the site is what, what is now known as Liverpool Street Station. So it it began being called Bedlam. So you mm. know, like you've heard oh it's fucking Bedlam in here. Mm. That's where it came <laughs> from. So its nickname Bedlam came from London or Shorten and Bethlehem to Bethlehem or Bedlam, but Bedlam became the modern the modern spelling. So due to the hospital's reputation as the principal treatment for the insane, a version of its name, Bedlam, came to signify madness and chaos. Okay. So you know when I didn't even know this, but like I'm sure my granddad used to say it, like we walk in, we'd be like, oh, like if all the kids around, you'd be like, oh fucking bedlam in here, mm. and I'd be like, I wonder what that means. But now you know, I'm sure James Blunt's got an album called Bedlam as well, you know, or a song. 
you might too, yeah. Why did you look at me like that? Because <laughs> you looked at me like I was the fucking all-knowing encyclopedia of everything James Blunt then. <laughs> you do know quite a lot about him. I do like, I like James Blunt, yeah, but I, I, I think he does have a, a song or an album named that. So the notorious institution, which was the first to specialise in mental health treatment, later inspired the 1940 horror film Bedlam, and it was founded in... 1247 during the reign of Henry the Third. What was found in 1247? Bedlam. The mental Oh, is it that old? Yeah. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. I thought you were saying it was going to be like 1800s or something? No. Oh. So the hospital was even once a popular tourist attraction in London. So it offered morbid entertainment to the curious. So patients were gawked at as if they were animals in the zoo. The treatments that were given to the patients at the time were extremely br- brutal. Patients were placed on chairs suspended by ropes. These ropes were then twisted together and then, when released, they spun the patient quickly around over 40 times as they returned to their normal position. It was a way of punishment as much as an attempt at a cure to assert dominance over the patients. But this method is apparently one of the most merciful treatments in the hospital and it was developed by Erasmus Darwin, who was the grandfather of Charles Darwin. So the patients would sit on a chair that hung from the ceiling and it was rotated at a specific speed and for an amount of time according to the orders of the doctors. I can't understand why it would be beneficial for anyone, but apparently most of the patients in Bedlam were subject to this, so it didn't really matter what mental illness you had. Apparently, it could cure a lot. So I'd imagine that's like when you're sitting on the swings as a kid, and then you twist it round yeah. as you're sitting there, and then you spin round. But obviously, you don't do it that many times because it can always. And it makes like a weird noise. Mm. So do they have swings in America or anywhere? What do they call them? I don't know, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's a seat that you swing on. In a park. <laughs> mm. But yeah, so patients would then have symptoms such as vomiting, nausea, dizziness and urinary incontinence, which then convinced the doctors that, we, that it was working. Cold, fo- cold water therapy was another way to shock the patients with mental illness. In this treatment, patients were submerged into cold water or wrapped into towels that were soaked in ice for a long time. These ghoulish treatments came from a limited understanding about the causes of mental illness and everybody received the same course of treatment whether they were diagnosed as depressed, paranoid or manic. So mental illness was treated as a disease of the body rather than of the mind. So the patients were prescribed enforced vomiting, bleeding and diarrhoea to somehow purge them of the melancholic melancholic behaviour. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Get it, yeah. So, also caustic substance were applied to the surface of the skin in order to make it blister and burn. This apparently attempted to draw out the ill humours. I was just thinking the same thing. They also had, like, blood blood letting, you know, like the leeches. Mm. I think it was... Very effective. If they got rid of the old blood, the new blood would come back and they wouldn't be mentally ill anymore. Well, it's quite well known that mental illness stems from your blood. Yeah. Mm. Mental illness. Mm. <laughs> so, like I said before, one of the largest scandals 
of the history of Bedlam is the public visiting. The family and the friends of the poor patients were expected to bring food with them to support the patients, but it was popular to allow visitors who had no connection with the inmates in for like a zoo basically. You could you were pay tickets. Oh yes. Um so they displayed the suffering of the inmates to the general public and it was something that the hospital raised their income from. I could sort of get behind it if it was like an educational thing, not but in a in a way that they say they ran like ran courses or something. Yeah. Maybe not going to like, oh look at this inmate, we're gonna poke him with a stick now and let's see what he does. Yeah. Well I haven't wrote about this because I couldn't find like a link. But the doctors also used to, they don't know if they, they killed them or they just died. Um, and then they'd, com- then they'd practice autopsies on them to, like, to study them for science. But in them days, it was illegal. You could only get an autopsy if someone died or if they were, like, a murderer. I mean, obviously, if someone died. I mean, if someone died of, like, if they were murdered or if, um, I think, if they were a murderer. Like, you could... Oh, right. Because that's why there was a lot of like grave snatches in them days for medical science as well. I think, you know, like them, like chains, not chains, like, I don't know how to explain it. We tweeted one a while ago. Cages. Yeah, like a cage on the grave. Hmm. Um, it was like not, it wasn't just because people would rob like what they were buried with. They wanted their body to like research them, basically. You know, yeah. like we have cadavers now. Where people give up their bodies to medical science, did not back then. How long was this place open then? Because that, that was not like the Victorian times, you do bodies national and stuff. Yeah, this was open for years. I'm gonna... like hundreds of years? Yeah. Wow. Um, it moved site about four times though. Sorry, look, he's just on his catchy and Josh got distracted. <laughs> he was eating the top tier of it. <laughs> he was literally licking this little pedestal thing. He eats the plastic tree in the living room, you know. Weird. <laughs> Why is <he> fed? <laughs> so yeah, they, like I just said, they they invited the public in to go at the uh, the patients for income. Um, it's also said that the patients were then forced to purchase their own food. So I think they had to do chores for the money, or they had to expect their family to provide money. Yeah, prison. Yeah, but. Often, some of them weren't capable of it because some of them were that mentally ill. They didn't even like. Didn't... Maybe weren't connected to the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the mam- some of the families did just put them in there and then get rid of them. Mm. So this led to starvation and death. Because they just let them starve. Yeah, they didn't like. They didn't give them something if they couldn't afford it, or if the family wouldn't give them it. No. I get. I think though, you know, like, like when like animals in the zoo were like doing tricks and they give them like a banana or something like i think they used to give them treats if they got like good people like, if they entertained if they entertained people yeah and um, so the practice of allowing spectators dates back from as far as 1598 when the bridewell government governors who were responsible for the administration of the hospital, decided to allow the public in as it would provide them with a great number of profits. An audience of the wealthy, educated and upper-class people of London were sought after by the governors to be the visitors and they provided huge success. 
The hospital was then moved to, Mo- to Moorfield site in London in 1676. It was a magnificent building from the outside that was apparently inspired by Louis XIV's Tuileries Palace in Palace in Paris. But on the inside, it was a cash-starved and operating without any scrutiny. By the 1750s, the hospital was accepting thousands of visitors who all paid to visit. It became a top tourist attraction for all Londoners, and almost everyone who went, who visited, went to view the mentally ill housed there. Anyone was able to access the wards of Bethlehem, and they were allowed to stare, abuse, and taunt the patients. As the only mental health facility in Britain up to that time, it was dependent upon government funding and patient donation. It was poorly funded by the government nonetheless, and heavily heavily replied, like I said, on the financial support of the patient's family and and private donors, but many of the patients that were admitted came from poverty, so they didn't have anyone to pay for them. Mm. A lot of them were uneducated as well, so they became victims to not only whatever mental illnesses they had, but also a society that was repelled, like repulsed by them. By the 18th century, Bedlam had become less of a hospital and more of a sideshow. People came from all over to see the patients and some even arranged holidays around it. According to the BBC, the hospital saw 96,000 visitors, 96, visitors a year and none of them were actually freaks. Like It wasn't the likes of the freaks that you'd see in American Horror Story freak show or like in a circus, you know, because in, in them days, like they used to have a lot of circuses. Like, they'd have like the bearded lady or even like dwarfs would be in the, the circus, wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it what, they weren't like that, they were just normal people. Um, I looked at a link and it, it was just showing pictures of like there was pictures of the actual patient and this one lady was admitted because she was the only... I have mentioned this lady so I won't go on but she she just had too much work on or something so she got stressed and they admitted her. God help her on today then. I Because they were so reliant on money from the guests to pay to see them. Very bold choice of word, guests. Well, they were invited. <laughs> um, they'd also chain the patients to the wall so that they couldn't escape or move away from being poked and prodded by the public, and they were encouraged to act stupid. Not stupid. Yeah. Unfortunately, the hospital, unfortunately, mm. fell into disrepair as its patient population boomed. The 1601 relief of the poor act stated that poor people unable to work could be cared for by the church rather than having to go to workhouses or prisons. Therefore, people were admitted to Bedlam for crimes such as robbery, homicide and even rowdy behaviour. So if you're drunk in the street, you you could get admitted there. Absolutely anything. Some of those confined within its grim halls were infamous for their time. Edward Oxford was one of the first eight people who tried to assassinate Queen Victoria in 1840. He attempted to shoot her twice, but he missed both times, and he was not and he was not found guilty because he pleaded insanity. Mm. And Jonathan Ma- Jonathan Martin was an arsonist who set fire to the York Minster in 1829, but he also pleaded insanity, so he went there instead. 
Well, in fairness, all he gets to do is walk down the streets and it sounds like he gets thrown into one of them places. <laughs> no. There's a lot of people that are in there. Well, not a lot. It was another one. She tried to kill King George III. As a, how are people, why are people trying to kill so many monarchs? Monarchs? Monarchs. I wouldn't kill King Charles. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really... I, I can't really answer it. It was a long time ago I went here. But this one... It, it, it shouldn't be my favourite, but it is. This is my favourite patient. Oh, God. Um, he was Richard, Richard... His name's Richard Dad. He was a famous artist artist from Kent. And in 18, 1887, he believed his father was the devil. So he stabbed him to death and then he left for France. But then he came back to England and he admitted that he murdered his dad. So then he was detained in the criminal department of Bedlam. Can I ask why that's your favourite? I just thought it was interesting because he thought his dad was the devil. <laughs> and then he con- fucked off to France for a bit. Any context to that? Like, or is he just that? But that's it, but his portrait, because there's a portrait of the patient, he's literally painting on it and the painting looks amazing. It looks like a photo. <laughs> what was that face for? Because did you not really answer me question? Why what? did he think his dad was the devil? Because he wasn't well, apparently. <laughs> so females were typically locked up in madhouses, madhouses, for a range of conditions that would not be considered to show signs of insanity. This would be postnatal depression, alcoholism, senile dementia, and um, infidelity. Oh. So, if you cheated on your husband, you could get sent away. Your husband could send you away if he had enough of you and just say that you were insane. A lot of it was to do with the female reproductive system as well. So, a lot, a lot of them made the ladies get hysterectomies because they were saying that was causing like hysteria in them. Sounds very abusive. So this was the lady that I was mentioning before. Her name was Eliza Jocelyn. She was 23 and she was admitted to Bethlehem or Bedlam in February 1857 with the cause of her apparent insanity recorded as overwork. The young woman had been working as the only servant in a 20-room house and was unable to keep up with the work over winter, so she was the only servant. Mm. She became stressed because of the extremely harsh weather conditions and she struggled to manage as every room needed a fire burning. So she ended up in the mental institution because she couldn't keep a fire burning in every room. Probably not, no. I'd imagine she couldn't. <laughs> so, the Bedlamites, as they were nicknamed, were subject to hor- horrific treatments, both experimental and downright, downright cruel. And sometimes they were the only reason that they kept them around and basically let them starve was so they could study their corpses once they'd passed away. Um, and then... After some of them had died, they were simply just thrown into a mass grave on Liverpool Street, like the station, like underneath, you know, where the where the tube is now. Mm. Um, but it wasn't until recently that they learned how, um, in 2013, construction workers at the hospital unearthed a startling mass grave of around 20,000 patients. Um, and then once they looked, like once they researched the bodies. The oldest one of them dated back to the 1500s. No. So, as I've mentioned, 
There are several grounds for haunting a place and wanting revenge, especially in Bedlam. It was a place of great pain and suffering, even if its intended purpose was apparently to help and repair. Perhaps this is what turned it into such a haunted and terrifying location, one that sparks the imagination and fear. When it was people, when it was open, people would report the horrid sounds of crying and moaning, the rattling of chains that restrained the poor patients of the asylum. It is said today that spectators of those who suffered in Bedlam still roam the hallways and rattle their chains in anguish. As the hospital has moved several times, we have a few sites that we could look for paranormal activity. One of the main ones is Liverpool Street Station in London. So this stands on the old site of the hospital. Obviously the tunnels go deep and there will be several layers of clay, soil and all that. But beneath the soil, bodies were found like I mentioned earlier. So the mass grave consists of plague victims, patients murder vi- and murder victims were also found here. Possibly the most famous ghost of Bedlam is a young lady named Rebecca. She fell head over heels in love with a handsome young Indian man who had come to lodge with her family. She was so in love with him that when the young man began packing his bags to return to India, she was shocked that he hadn't loved her as much as she loved him. She helped him pack and was hoping that he would change his mind and agree to stay with her. But all, he, all she received and all she had left of her love was a gold sovereign that he slipped into her hand before leaving her forever. The grief of this heartbreak was too much for her mind to handle and she apparently snapped. She was then admitted to Bedlam Hospital. The golden sovereign that the man who she was in love with gave her was gripped firmly in her fist for the remainder of her short life. This was the final token from her lost love and she was never going to give it up. But when she wasted away into death, it didn't go unnoticed by one of the guards. One of the guards prized a coin from her her dead hand and then they buried her without her most prized possession. It was after the the burial of Rebecca that the guards, inmates and visitors all began to report a strange sight indeed. A ghostly figure began to roam the homes of Bedlam searching for her lost love token, her spirit refusing to be put to rest until she had it back in her hand. It is said that she is still roaming the tunnels of Liverpool Street Station today. The tube riders who have come face to face with this ghost have heard their screaming like crazy looking for that stolen coin to make her whole once more. She is desperate to get her hands on the coin and and perhaps the person who stole it. So let's go from Bedlam to North Wales Hospital. It used to be known as Denby Asylum and it closed in 1995. It is now in disrepair, but you can go hunt ghosts if you want to. It was opened in 1848 and was Wales' first mental health asylum. Earth pushes through the concrete floors and wallpaper falls off the walls. There's an overground courtyard which gets ghost hunters from all over the UK. So although the place is closed to the public after the hospital is shut, you can um, you can rent it out for a price, I'm guessing, by paranormal activity uh, investigators and ghost hunters, and it is considered one of the UK's most haunted locations. It is no surprise that the place is haunted considering that overcrowding was rampant and patients were often subject to sedation and otherwise abusive care. 
be meaning spirits are probably also unhappy with the numerous vandalism and arson attacks that happened since it closed. Ghost hunters have claimed to hear screeches, laughter, footsteps and big bangs when they're inside and some have also reported seeing full body apparitions. There have also been rumblings of the asylum being demolished and apparently turning into a shopping centre. So it is, like I said, it is often visited by many paranormal investigators and Most Haunted also done an episode there. Mm. Um, So I found a BBC article about a previous worker who began working there in 1965 when he was 19. He said that most treatments involved medication and electroconvulsive therapy. This was carried out with with anaesthesia, but not always. So sometimes they would do this without any pain relief or... So he said when they first started giving ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, the patients were conscious. It was quite crude really. It was a bit like when they first started doing amputations and they'd give somebody a swig of whiskey and then chop their leg off. He said ECT was a bit like that in that they didn't give them any muscle relaxants or anaesthesia and they'd give them the shock and then they would shake violently. Sometimes they would dislocate their joints or break break their bones even. Mm. In 2008, the TV programme Most Haunted broadcasted a live ghost investigation from this building. But Mr Wynn, who works there, the, the manager said, he said it was a big mistake and obviously that it's been target for the ghost hunters. But he believes that it wasn't haunted and that it was a load of rubbish and the members of staff were just making something up. He said a lot of like a lot of staff members said that they saw a grey lady, but he never saw anything. But the reason I mentioned it was because I was just touching on it briefly because we mentioned the grey lady. Yeah, we've seen a grey lady. That's why I thought it would just end with that because apparently like I said everyone says they've seen a green like grey lady. So what what do you think about the silence? Um. That last one might be haunted. I think he was just a bit of a sceptic. Do you reckon? Mm. I, I don't know. I, I do think all asylums probably are haunted in a sense. Yeah, well, it's a very, I don't want to say vulnerable to it, but they're a prime place to be haunted because there's a lot of emotion, especially Bedlam, because that was a place where people who weren't, didn't actually have any mental health issues went to. Yeah. Just because they had a lot of work or something. A lot of work or female reproductive organs so yeah I'd imagine there's a lot of people who go to these places or as patients who don't actually need the facilities but they've been sort of subject to it or they've been pigeonholed by I don't know law or social services or whatever the family I don't know whatever it might be and they've been made to be there when they don't need to be there well yeah they used to just they used to put people who were homosexual in there because they were homosexual and he'd like subject them to electric ECT to try and get them to not be homosexual anymore and then obviously because they get an electric shocks to their brain mm. they, t- they end up worse we used to think doesn't it what at the time that probably felt like really normal to them yeah but looking back now we know that that is completely wrong and inhumane I wonder what we're doing now in our society that is completely inhumane, stupid. Yeah. But is in a, in years' time is going to be like. I know. 
I wonder because we are actually no, I just sound stupid, but we're actually quite a woke mm, society. I, th- I think it would be a lot to do with um the planet and yeah. being greener. Yeah. Like two car families, um buying fast fashion, stuff like that. Plane rides. Yeah, but you've got to go on Aussie, haven't you? <laughs> but yeah, going back to the sounds, I, I think they're de- definitely, definitely haunted. They've got to be. The places that have got so much emotion and... Wrongdoing. Yeah. There's a lot of injustices that go on there. For patients who need to be there or who don't need to be there. Especially when they're just throwing the bodies and not letting, like, in a mass grave and not letting them really... Um have like a final rest in peace mm. of their own. I wonder how hard Liverpool Street Station is and that we want to look up. Yeah, that would be interesting. I think the asylums were quite interesting though, especially Newsham. Newsham. Because mm. um, the fact that it was like an uh, orphanage and then an asylum. Yeah, it was multi-use, wasn't it? Yeah, so there's going to be a lot. that's like warehouses. A lot of warehouses went in, on to be hospitals. Yeah, true. Because the buildings were already there, the big usually multiple building establishments. Yeah, and now they'd go on to be flats, probably. <laughs> yeah, more or less. Students accommodation. Well, in Liverpool, there's... I say in Liverpool, like you don't know where Liverpool is. In the city we live in. <laughs> there's um, Newhall. <gasps> yeah, Newhall Baths. It used to be a swimming baths. Swim. Yeah, it also used to be a lot more. Just, again, I know. multiple building <laughs> establishments. I know, but I used to go swimming there with school. <laughs> yeah, so aside from just having a swimming bath, <laughs> there's also obviously all the other buildings. The point I'm making is they're not all flats. You know what I found was interesting? Newsham Park, isn't it on like Orphan Drive or something? Yeah. It's weird that, isn't it? I think it? they named it. Did they name it yeah, back because of that? Oh, I was like, There was oh. nothing there before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's like, that bit of land, I don't know if it was donated to them or one of the people who were involved in starting up the, the establishments had it and they were just like sort of yeah you can build it there oh uh, I understand yeah so it was on this it's on the edge of a big park yeah and I, I think they named it all from drive because <laughs> uh, I was like that's such a coincidence no <laughs> um, so anyway we hope you enjoyed this like little insight although it wasn't little really but it was mostly bedlam but um, in, of asylum we would be really interested if you've got if you've got any asylum stories in your city or if you've used to work in an asylum. Yeah, because that's another point. Because I've touched well, we've both touched upon people who were patients there and maybe under a lot of stress or a lot of emotion. But what about people who work there? Because going to work can be very stressful and very emotional. Yeah, especially that though. Like you would go to work and and that might be in that state might put you in be more susceptible to seeing the paranormal yeah. or experiencing paranormal or it may make you more susceptible to having a hallucination to make you think you saw the paranormal you may need to actually have treatment because I think I would have to have treatment after like dealing with that kind of intensity day in day out mm, I couldn't do that I couldn't do that I think you really you've got to brave if you do that because you're strong because obviously you've got a lot of emotions to deal with and mm. a lot of cases and but yeah, if you've ever worked in an asylum or you know someone who has, we would love to hear your story. Yeah, you can email it to us at acrossthecemetery at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on social media at acrossthecemetery on Instagram, at axthecemetery on Twitter, at axthecemetery on TikTok. 
and all that with all three of them really yeah <laughs> um, if you'd like to leave us a review on whichever platform you listen on that'd be much appreciated um we'll see you in the next one thank you for listening bye bye